0: Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? Jamie? Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Generation Excellence. Ice cream is a treat, and today I have a treat for you. Alex Bassett Strange is the VP of Distribution for Bassett's Ice Cream in Philadelphia. He represents the sixth generation in this unique family business. You heard right, sixth generation. Alex takes us from 1861 to the present and outlines how each generation, one through five, was truly tested he also shares with clear passion and expertise how ice cream is developed and made, and how with his family, decisions are developed and made. This was a fun conversation around business, family, innovation, stewarding a brand, and again, ice cream. Let's jump into a triple scoop of learning with Alex Bassett-Strange of Bassett's Ice Cream. Welcome, Alex Bassett-Strange, to the Generation Excellence podcast. I'm I, we, we've talked little bits in preparation for this, and and I'm so so grateful that you've accepted and that I could learn about the Bassett's ice cream story because it, you know, it's a rarity when you get to talk to businesses in in North America with this longevity and someone like yourself that's got that name tag on, if you will, that's representing <laughs> sixth generation. That is just it, it's 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 so neat. I know you you've said you're very proud of it, but um, so, uh, you know, welcome. Uh, where where am thank I you. finding you at the warehouse and the offices in Philadelphia, home office? Where where are you today?
1: Well, Jamie, first off, thank you for having me on. I uh, I'm here at our office. We're in Philadelphia. Uh, we have an office right by the Reading Terminal Market in Philadelphia. I'm just a couple of blocks away, and this office is where we kind of head up our wholesale operation. So um, in addition to finding Bassett's ice cream at our store in the Reading Terminal Market, uh, we offer Bassett's ice cream to a number of independent dipping parlors, restaurants, country clubs, uh, and places of that nature, food service accounts, grocery stores. And so that kind of stuff happens out of out of our office just a couple blocks away from the Reading Terminal, and that's where I am. Got
0: it. And as we've said, I mean, the the you know, fantastic specialness of, of yes, going back to the, you know, the the longest standing tenant, I understand, or operator at Reading Terminal, but even prior to that. So, is now, you know, it has to be a handed down story when a business is kind of in the 160 year range you weren't around. <laughs> what, what, how, what do you, what is, what is, what is the lore that is, you know, the founding story of of your business of this family operation as you understand it and tell it.
1: Sure well well Jamie thanks for the question. Um, Bassett's Ice Cream has been around since 1861. <laughs> it was my great 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 grandfather Louis <laughs> Dubois Bassett uh, who began he was a Quaker school teacher and he began churning his ice cream on his farm in Salem, New Jersey. Uh, and the lore is that he was churning ice cream by mule power and what he would do is after he would churn his ice cream in 1861 uh, he would batch that and put it on salt and ice into a horse and buggy and cart that over to Philadelphia and sell it in the farmer's markets along Market Street and um, it wasn't until 1885 that he opened up his first location so so, so making ice cream and selling in 1861 in the farmer's market and got himself a brick and mortar location in 1885. Uh, we're not the oldest, uh, or we, excuse me, we are not the first uh, commercial ice cream producer. That goes to Jacob Fusell in 1851. We got started 10 years after, uh, but are the last, or, or are the oldest operating ice cream business uh in the country that's uh, fantastic yes
0: and and you're 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 an engineer by background am i correct i mean schooling and field of study and all that
1: well my father's an engineer Um, i actually went to school for business i knew business student at, (laughs) at, at northern michigan university i knew in high school that i wanted to come out work for the business it's actually pretty interesting um my father is an engineer, and my uncle Michael Strange, fifth generation, he owns the uh, Bassett's Ice Cream Company. Well, my father he, he scooped ice cream when he was younger, but decided to pursue his own great uh, career path and got into engineering. And uh, my my immediate family, my my father, we moved all around the country, and, and not necessarily, you know, we we moved out of Philadelphia, and I grew up and in, and. In, um, in all sorts of places over all over the US. My grandfather was in the military. My father really liked the lifestyle. So we'd been moving around quite a bit. And we were in Minnesota in high school, my high school years. And my father sat me down and said, you know, I, I was really happy with my career path, but uh, you know, I always thought what would it be like had I had I joined the business. He said, Alex, you should really go on out to Philadelphia and learn from Michael, see what, see what's going on out there and see if if you're interested in this business at all. And so I did, I went out, I scooped ice cream for a year and I had a blast. I mean, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what, what kid wouldn't want to be surrounded in ice cream for a summer. So, so I had a great time and I wanted to come back the next year and the year after that year after that. And, um, really fell in love with the business and and now i'm out here i live in philadelphia and i work for the business full time that's that's a great
0: experience (laughs) that's yeah and keep in and you know being part of that legacy having the family that has the the i guess the choice the freedom like your father had to pursue other things you to be part of it and you know people Mm -hmm. finding their way and i guess i asked about you know that business meets engineering so i should know this but in that early history, which came first, the, you know, moving vehicles around from, you know, horse and carriage and mules mm-hmm. to to some sort of truck or vehicle or some mm. machine that helped keep the stuff cooler longer, I, you know, some refrigerator oh. or freezer, I sh- which one was first? It's,
1: well, I, I would think that, you know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not positive, uh, which innovation came first, either modern refrigeration or or the uh, or the transportation mechanics? Um, okay,
0: it's a motor city but- question as those things collide again in the twenty twenties, right? You know, now vehicles yep. are becoming electrified again, so it's, an, it's how things come around.
1: It's yeah, it's very <laughs> very interesting. I will say that um, you know it's interesting. Each of our generations, and now being in the sixth generation of our of our business, each generation brought something new. It's really mm-hmm. kind of exciting. So, um, my great 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 grandfather Louis Dubois Bassett, he started the company. He he, he brought founder, uh, right? the ice cream. He was the founder. He brought the ice cream from New Jersey into Philadelphia. He opened up our location in 1885 on Fifth and Market, okay. and then in 1892. We actually opened up in the Reading Terminal Market, and that was the first year the Reading Terminal Market had operated. So we were we were, as the legend goes, the first ones to sign a lease. Um, I know that there were some farmers' markets that uh, existed where the Reading Terminal Market is now, and I know that the ice cream was sold in those markets before the market opened. So I think that my great 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 grandfather must have uh, been very excited when a, in a permanent Market was opening up. I'm sure he was uh, uh, the first one to sign the lease. We are the last remaining original market merchant there. So um, we've been there since the market opened, and we are the last merchant to uh, to be from that original. Roster. You know,
0: and and that's a really neat way of looking at it. So for yourself, you know, heading distribution, the the founder and the first generation figures out some things in distribution what Mm -hmm. and and on market but you talk about making your mark so what were some of the things that then the continuity to the to the nesso from lewis who's who's next to kind of uh take bassett's ice cream into some different ways and places
1: his son uh lewis lafayette bassett um he he came into the business uh you know after the turn of the century he came in in actually uh, 1906, and uh, unfortunately, he died at a young age. Okay. Um, it, in, in 1970 or 1917, excuse me, he, he passed away, and uh, his, his wife Louise Austin, or, or as we call her, Ostie Bassett, uh, <laughs> took over the business at that period of time. Um, and so, so the, the, there was a you know, there's that that transition. And then in the fourth generation, Louis Lafayette Bassett Jr. Uh, this is where our current recipes were formulated. It was my okay. great grandfather who formulated the ice cream recipes that we use today, and he's—it was a phenomenal um, ice cream guru. He just—he was able to make this formula really unique, and he made the best ice cream that. Uh, that 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 could be me. I mean, we're we're happy to uh, do a blind tasting against any ice cream brand out there. Um, and what's really interesting, a story. Um, since Louis Lafayette Sr., every generation in our family has taken an ice cream class at Penn State. Uh, Penn State University has the ice cream short course, and it's it's one of, if not the premier ice cream classes in the country I know the University of Wisconsin has one Um, there's one at the University of Maryland but the one at Penn State uh, is is fantastic and we've been going for five generations well it was at the Penn State ice cream short course that my great-grandfather presented his ice cream formula to our instructors or his instructors rather and they told him that that ice cream recipe wouldn't work i wouldn't run through the machinery uh, i'm so sorry lewis that's just not uh, not going to work well my great grandfather uh went ahead and made the ice cream anyway and it did in fact work it ran through the yep. machines and it made a very unique product uh which we still use today and and our recipe is is rather unique um so so that I, was pretty I, and,
0: and Alex I thank you for keeping a streak alive of of people who have appeared on this podcast with businesses running a long time where at some point somebody said to somebody else that won't work you're crazy whatever and then they mm-hmm. defy and prove that it will it, right
1: it's wild you know it's it's absolutely wild but our you know our recipe is it, it's got some unique characteristics to it and it makes just one very very great ice cream one of the things about ice cream um in how you enjoy it is texture comes first and then it's flavor they're both very important but uh, the eating experience it starts with the texture so we've got this very silky smooth mouthfeel that we achieve through high butterfat and very high quality ingredients there are some other things that go into it that's uh, a little bit more technical but we can kind of zoom out and sum it up to uh, a very high fat recipe this sauce i
0: did not know that i would get to be a little bit of a part of ice cream school today that's great Uh, (laughs) i i kind of would have enjoyed the course so lewis jr is g4 the recipes then to the that's right generation and making that marker of some of the moves is is the family tree continues um cuz i don't know so with the with
1: the fourth now uh with the fourth generation we had our ice cream recipe locked in and it was okay. fantastic and my, interestingly enough my my great grandfather louis lafayette Bassett, he was a um junior he was a bit of a renaissance man he, he <laughs> He, there's all sorts of fun stories. He he got his pilot license and apparently flew once. I actually have a copy of his pilot's license. He flew once and got a little, uh, little, little nervous about flying on his own. He never flew again. Uh, he was very into movies. We actually have a video uh, that he shot in the 1930s showing the production from cow to cone. People enjoying it, uh, the, the farm where we get our dairy, all sorts of these elements. Uh, in in 1930s and so he was very into movies in fact there's another story where my great-grandmother Mary Bassett um, she left the house one day and my great-grandfather wanted a place to watch his movies and there wasn't a great place to set up the projector so he ended up when my great-grandmother left the house one day knocking a wall down so that he could set his projector up and he did that, set the projector up, and was watching his movies when my great-grandmother came home to find that a wall was knocked down, and she was not very happy about this. So basically
0: so, built the early projection room.
1: Yes, right? he did.
0: Yeah, and and, it, and it, even, it, yeah, I'm sorry, even that movie, Cow to Cone, like all these places today that are farm to table like they've discovered something new, right? Yes,
1: yes not that yes, new. And it, it, <laughs> it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and so when, when she got home, she was she was rather upset. So in order to appease her and make her uh, let him fall back within her good graces, he made a new ice cream flavor, and that is Irish coffee. Um, okay. Irish coffee is our coffee ice cream with a little bit of Jameson in it. Jameson was one of our favorite things. So uh, Jameson Irish whiskey uh, yeah, no, is actually the ingredient that we use in our Irish coffee. That flavor anymore, we only run on very special occasions, Um, but it's a great one, and and it's part of our history. So Louis Lafayette Bassett, Jr. formulated our ice cream, and he had some really wild stories to go along with that in in terms of his other hobbies and even the the creation of the ice cream itself. Um, He ran the business for a very, very long time. Um, He was actually involved... um, well into the uh into the 70s so my grandmother the fourth generation Louis lafayette bassett jr's daughter came into the business in 1973 interestingly enough so my my great great my great grandfather was great with uh ice cream recipes but things like taxes or uh, accounting, keeping track of more of the mundane business side stuff. Um, it wasn't his priority. Um, and so we found ourselves in an interesting position where, um, the ice cream was fantastic. Uh, but, but some of the things had let slip. Yeah. The, the, and the visionary,
0: the visionary who's not so great at the details and the, y-
1: yeah. Yep. So cue my grandmother. Um, it was 1973 and uh, the, the the bank that we were using at the time it approached us and said that I I'm so sorry we're gonna have to uh, you know, we're we're gonna have to pull your loan there oh we need something you know so we were in a dire position the ice cream was fantastic but you know you can have the best product but if you Great just don't product, know your numbers bad business. Th- yeah or messed up right. business yep. So, so my grandmother came in and she's fantastic with relationships. She's a great businesswoman. So she came in and she, um, she was able to work a deal out with the bank and we were able to give uh, the business a, another chance. It was a very close call, but she came in, she saved the business and ended up introducing a few short years later uh, our prepack pints. And she actually she took our we, – we had wholesale um, ice cream you know, at that point. But it was only a few accounts. See, we were make. my great grandfather was making ice cream in the basement of the Reading Terminal Market. And we were using that ice cream that was being made for our store, but also just a few of the local accounts, some, some uh, restaurants in the area. Um, and my grandmother saw an opportunity to, to, to expand the brand. And so I she introduced our pre packed pies.
0: That's really neat. I mean, a business that's then 100 years old. And yet mm-hmm. someone can come along and really professionalize it and bring and still bringing innovation to it and growing it. That's fantastic.
1: And just like that, you know, it was it was interesting. I was really? when, I, when I talked to my grandmother about what it was like starting really expanding our wholesale business, it was. There was a little bit of hesitancy, a little bit of nervousness from generation number sure. uh, four. Um, you know, we we were always, you know, our our four walls and a little bit of wholesale and what my grandmother saw was an opportunity to really expand the wholesale business. Um, And so there was some nervousness about, you know, a shift in business model. um, But, but she saw the opportunity and was able to capitalize on it. And um, it wasn't long before her efforts led to the demand exceeding our production capacity at the Reading Terminal Market. Um, so it was in the 70s that we actually moved out our production out of the Reading Terminal. And there was a, there was a plant on, on 22nd and Fairmount, actually, in Philadelphia, the Potts Ice Cream Plant, uh, okay. that we were able to take our recipe to. And um, that was where the ice cream was produced uh, you know, shortly after the wholesale business actually really expanded um and so we were you know it was, it was a shift um the ice cream used to be made on little batch freezers uh we'd make ice cream in batches of like five gallons at a time uh to what's called a continuous freezer which can run very large batches um and it changes things a little bit you know my great grandfather was able to help that transition because when you start producing ice cream in a different way um, ice cream is a very finicky product so when you change it from batch production to continuous production there are some changes that need to happen um, okay to the so recipe even to make even, sure
0: even the- in whether it's your business or technology that idea of how something scales right is, yes it has to be taken into account and and keep the quality or keep the consistency keep what people love
1: and a- absolutely that. and you know what's interesting about ice cream in particular well a lot of things small batch is preferred a lot of times sure. you're homemade made by hand small batch you know um in terms of ice cream the faster you can produce it the large scale production it makes for a smoother and creamier ice cream. interesting see i mentioned earlier the texture is the first thing that you recognize when you taste ice cream it touches your tongue and it if it's smooth and silky you notice that right away and then comes the flavor so that texture is a result of the ice crystals the structure of ice cream okay and ice cream is made up you know it's 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 frozen in such a way that these little teeny tiny ice crystals are formed and if you can freeze ice cream faster these ice crystals are smaller smaller less noticeable yielding a smoother silky texture so So the opposite is
0: the opposite is you have ice cream you take it out freezer eat some you put it back in it melts it freezes all back up it's all crystally, it's eh, right
1: you know it yeah exactly everybody has had that pint of ice cream in the back of their freezer that they didn't see it was hiding behind the peas yeah and you reach back there you see the ice cream and wow, this is a little icier than I remember. That's a result of those ice crystals growing over time. As you open and close your freezer, little temperature fluctuations happen. Your freezer stays below freezing, but we all know that there's sugar in ice cream, and that is what's called a freezing point depressant. So just like you salt your driveway in an ice storm, Believe it or not, you could spread sugar on your driveway. It'll make it sticky, but it will melt the ice. Um, And same sort of thing happens with ice cream. So believe it or not, when you get your ice cream cone at an ice cream parlor, (laughs) I'm full of these fun little facts. If you get your ice cream at an ice cream parlor on your ice cream cone, 25% of the water content in ice cream is actually liquid at the point where it's in that scoop held in there by the structure of the ice cream, of of the ice cream, the the ice cream. yeah 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 if it was uh if it was completely frozen unfortunately your scoopers wouldn't be able to get through it um it'd just be like concrete but you got you got a little bit of liquid water well anyway that liquid water as you fluctuate in temperature between you know freezing and is still freezing but a little bit warmer the percentage of water increases decreases with those temperature fluctuations and you end up with growing ice crystals, a lot of techno mumbo jumbo, but that's kind of what happens. Is, is no, cream, I appreciate ice- it. I mean,
0: we're not trying to do ice cream school, but for you know your business, you're, you're touching on as a business, having to deal with founding creation, but then science and math mm-hmm. and distribution mm-hmm. and production. I mean, all of those things for something that people love and it, clearly they've loved it for a long, long time. And they're going to love ice cream for a long, long time. So that's a nice thing to have. Uh, but there's a lot that goes a lot that goes into it. Um, yes. And so, you so your your grandmother in the you know the seventies, mm-hmm. the eighties, that kind of pre-pack and and further ways of wholesale and and all that for the product. Then is yes. it is 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 it then Michael? That's the fifth generation. That's her son that
1: comes yes. into the business. Yes. Okay. And that—that's how the strange last name gets introduced here. So, so my grandmother Ann Bassett, um, and my grandfather uh, Robert Strange um, yielded our last name. Uh, got it. Michael Strange. My last name is Strange. I'm Alex Bassett Strange. My middle name happens to be Bassett, but um, cool. Last name is Strange, and uh, that's where we got uh, uh, that that strange last name was introduced. And so fifth generation comes in, and um, it was again a similar experience between third, excuse me, uh, third and fourth, where um, the my grandmother she was she was really great she uh, she she made our whole our wholesale business uh, something that it truly was not, expanded the brand greatly. She was working with these master distributors. So what happened was um, we had two of our three master distributors go out of business at the exact okay. same time. It's always so as you could imagine, right? yep. Two thirds uh, of our master distributors went out of business. Huge uh, portion of our revenue. There was a receivable on that, that uh, unfortunately was lost. And so, we found ourselves in a bit of an existential crisis and a- at that And point. Alex for Bassett's
0: Ice Cream, that falls in the '80s, the '90s. When when was that?
1: That that happened. That was in the that was in the early '80s. Okay. In the early '80s, in fact, uh, 1982, '83 area. And my uncle Michael Strange, fifth generation, at the time was working for a public accounting firm, Price Waterhouse. Yep. And my grandmother and great grandfather took him out to dinner and said, Michael, we could really use your help. (laughs) Uh, the The business is in this position, and we know that you've got the business acumen to help guide us out of this. And Michael, Uh, It took a a couple of times to convince him to come into the business, but he he ended up doing it. And it was, as he's described it, a great decision. He loves this business. Um, And but he came in under crisis mode and um, was able to work out some deals and go over the master distributors work with some sub distributors and was able to restructure diversify our list of customers and put us in a much safer position was able to climb us out of the uh the the position that we were in um and that was that was huge um it, it could have you know We've now seen a couple of times in the last couple of generations where during a period of transition, the business could have uh, uh, been in some trouble.
0: Yeah, these uh, so called thank- existential threats, whatever, plus a business mm-hmm. that went through, you know, when people talk about, oh, the business went through the war, you all can go, which one? Or depression. Right. And I mean, all of those economic cycles and yes. global things, plus more close to home situations like two key distributors or something else changes or Mm -hmm. commodity costs or all of those things. But it sounds like from each of these, from one to two to three to four to five, and we'll get to you Mm as sixth in a second, Mm -hmm. they've been pretty orderly. There hasn't been grand drama of someone having to rest control from the prior generation. In fact, many of them were doing other things. Or am I
1: missing something? No, you're not missing anything okay. at all. In fact, okay. that is one of the things that I find, uh, I find amazing. I'm extremely proud of our family business because you hear a lot of times family business is funny. It's here in Nevada, their, uh, uh, their tagline that, you know, I, I like my beer. So on their, their tagline on their bottles is family business, um, uh, something and argued over they, uh, they, uh, Family run and argued over, or something like that. Oh,
0: yeah, that's uh, I didn't know that one.
1: And 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 we have worked together so so very well that it's been it's been amazing. It's been that that
0: and I guess it's you know that silky smooth applies to the product and <laughs> to the business, even though it's a roller coaster when you really chart it out over that period of time, the ups and the downs and and the things yeah. that ca- came along. So, so you know, one of the things that you saw modeled then was you know. You know Michael, who mm-hmm. was doing some other things and getting grounded mm-hmm. at Pricewaterhouse. So, talk a little bit about your journey because you you said school mm-hmm. at Northern Michigan University, and then right. you went and got some experience in in, in food and the industry right. elsewhere before joining this family firm. Uh, so, right. talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So. Um, in high school, uh, my father, he sat me down and said, you know, I, I, I took a different path, as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. he was an engineer, um, and you should really consider it. So I went out and worked for the business, he really loved it, and I kept coming back. The you know, first year I scooped, the second year I was driving a delivery truck in Central Philadelphia, the next year after that I was uh, helping produce some product, I was working in the production plant. Um, and then the year after that, I was doing some accounting work up in the office. So I got a chance to really try a bunch of different positions in the company uh, as I was going through my college career. And I knew that I wanted to join the business. I absolutely loved my summer work experiences. Um, I worked very hard. Um, and I just I absolutely loved it. I think the, the history of the business was fantastic. It's It's surreal, honestly surreal to be working for this business. And sometimes it's tough for me to, uh, to believe that we're in our sixth generation, neat. but it's, it's true. Um, so, so with that, I said, okay, well, I know that I want to join the business. And I know that we've seen each generation be truly tested. And there yeah. have been opportunities for the business to not succeed. You know, when my great-grandfather reformulated the ice cream uh, to the recipe that we use today, before the ice cream recipe was great, but he made it grand. Um, and my grandmother, she came in under tough times and was able to use her relationship experience and her vision of our wholesale business to really take us to the next level. Michael was able to uh, save us from we had a, a very quick growth. Um, and we had the so anyway, I saw that we had these times where the, the business was tested so I thought okay well I need to be ready for this because after six generations I'm sure a lot of your listeners and, and other interviewees have, have probably felt this as well it can't stop with my generation um, right. I'm a student not, not
0: ending on my watch
1: yep yep absolutely or, not. or so, I
0: just you, I want to I want to hand it to the next generation in a better place than I
1: found it not that you found it exactly. in a bad place right no i i was i have been very fortunate to find it in a in a great place my grandmother my uncle they both came in under yep. tough times i i came into the business in 2016 and we were uh well came in full time in 2016 my first year with the business was 2007 and, and and through that whole period of time we've been um we've been doing uh well and so we're we're not in crisis mode uh we've been we've been very fortunate but i did see the opportunity for that Sort of change to happen. Uh, An example like like COVID um, that that really tested our business. Sure, Um, yeah these these things come up and they're not always within your control. So I really wanted to make sure that I had that I, I I brought something to the table. So I thought after I graduate college, I would love to work in the food business. I would like to a you know, I, I worked hard to get my degree. I would like to see my resume stand for itself. And I want to work for a food company. That's great. And get some outside experience. So I did that. I, I after college, I applied to some food companies. As I had mentioned, I lived in Minnesota. Hormel Foods is based out of Minnesota. So I was working with Minnesota based yep. companies and um, actually uh, was accepted to work at, at Hormel Foods as a production supervisor. Um, You know, I I mentioned that when my grandmother expanded our wholesale, uh, our our demand rather, um, the production wasn't able to keep up. So we moved actually to another plant um, and had that ice cream co-pack. We use our same, very same recipe, but it's no longer our equipment or labor that's making this. So I wanted to get some real plant experience. I wanted to be able to, I wanted to work inside of a food production plant and know what that's like. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I thought that working in the meat business, very heavy, heavily regulated. Um, I thought that would be a challenge that I would like to, I'd like to, I'd like to take on. So I worked for Hormel foods for a few years and I found it extremely, uh, insightful. There were some things that I learned in in that production plant that I was a, it gave me a new vocabulary to speak to, you know, our production plant with.
0: And, and uh, both, both, I would I'm not assuming anything for you, Alex, but, but production <laughs> equipment machines, but also working with people. Right. I mean, exactly.
1: And exactly. Hormel that, Foods is yeah. very different <laughs> in terms of and, size. and,
0: and, and also Hormel Foods is what? Uh, they've been around more than a hundred years, I'm guessing, or, or, I mean, a long, it, a long, rich history
1: as well. Right. It, it is, a. it is, it does have a very uh, rich history. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so there were some own, parallels.
0: Yep. Their own culture, their own way, but you're, you, you, you're Alex or you're strange to these people. You're not, The it's not because you are working for this family operation that know you and yeah. that you're part of, you have to prove yourself. Yeah. Prove your, right. And yeah. I
1: also wanted the feedback. Now my, <laughs> uh, my family has been great about giving me feedback and I'm saying that nicely. We're hard on each other. Yes. Yeah. And and, and, and we'll come
0: back to that in a second, because I really do want to ask about how you make decisions together, communicate together, but we're still on, you know, your, your, your journey, your entree into the business.
1: So I wanted to have somebody that didn't share a last name with me, giving me Mm -hmm. feedback about how I'm doing. Not to say that our, uh, you know, in our business, the the feedback isn't genuine, which it is, uh, but it is always interesting working with family members because at the end of the day you see them at the dinner table or maybe we go yeah. on vacation together and things like that that was and a is... that was
0: a wonderfully diplomatic comment the way you said that
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so it was a really great experience working with you know my managers that were were now not you know related to me and were able to give the open and honest yep. feedback and honestly yep. the, the feedback that i received was 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 great it was uh, you know i i learned a lot i grew as a person and and i was able to take that mindset back with me when it was time to rejoin bassett's ice cream in philadelphia that's great
0: and and, and you mentioned then the di- you know there's dynamics and there's ways family mm-hmm. members and in all businesses people communicate with each other mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. facially in words in writing in meetings mm-hmm. how you, so how do you all make decisions about things that you're going to do for Bassett's ice cream. You know, yeah. um, big future plans, smaller mm-hmm. stuff. How, mm-hmm. how how often do you meet? How to talk a little bit about that? How that
1: works? It's um, it's very organic. Uh, right. We, you know, if, if there's a a project on the horizon, perhaps uh, let's talk about maybe an example, a new flavor. Okay. That we would like to to talk about, um, yeah. You know, we know that that as a company we want to come out with uh, a flavor a year. We want to come up with some new ones. Cool. We want to we want to do away with uh, some, or actually put on rather put on hiatus some flavors that might not sell as quickly. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, we we, we kind of have all sort of agreed on. Oh, that's
0: good to know. So the portfolio is ever changing a little bit. Yep.
1: Yes. So, so a, a, a new flavor thing would be where, you know, one of us would have an idea. We'd talk about it with the group. We would, we would talk to okay. um, our vice president of sales and say, what do you think? Do you think our customers would want this? We talk to the family members. Hey, what do you think? What kind of input do you have? And then, um, you know, ultimately it is it is left up to um, the, the, the the president, Michael Strange, generation number five. Um, as to what we want to move forward. But um, he, he would, as of right now, he assigned me that, that task of putting samples in front of them and saying, you know, is this, is this, you know, what we want to do as a company. So most recently we came out with a chocolate fudge brownie. Okay. And so what I would do is, is I, I identified chocolate fudge brownie as a flavor that I think our customers really like. It's a flavor. I know that I love, like. um, you know, we don't exclusively eat ice cream in our family. We like to go out. And we like to try other brands, other flavors. Just that, get ideas. You yeah, know,
0: just study. It's right, it's study the competition. Study the industry. Yep.
1: So I've identified this flavor as one that we want, and I've connected with uh, ingredient suppliers and figured out what you know what kind of elements I want out of this chocolate fudge brownie. You know, is a it's a flavor that I think people recognize the name of. But there are multiple ways to make this. You sure. can have chocolate chips, you can have chocolate swirl, it could be a chewy brownie, it could be a cake brownie. <laughs> so I kind of figure out what, what I think is my ideal one. And then I go to my my uncle Michael and I go to my uncle Roger and I talk to my cousin Eric and I speak with Mary Bassett. And we say, okay, you know, what do you think about a chewy brownie compared to a cakey brownie? What do you guys think? And so we kind of take in all of these. Um, opinions, and we uh, figure out what the best sample to make would be, put that in front of Michael, I put that in front of our other team, our team here at, at the office, um, our, our customer service representatives, I put that in front of our sales uh, team, and we, we, we all try it, we say, okay, this is this is something that we want, this is something we think our, our customers are going to like, let's go ahead and make it, so that's the sort of collaboration that happens, right? There.
0: Uh, so that's, you know, product innovation ideas, but you still have to have an eye, I guess, a mouth to, can I make this consistently at scale, right? And then the economics mm-hmm. of it and all, all of yes. that coming into play, right? Yes. And, and and then so is the does the company have, do you have a formal board of directors or, or a board of advisors that includes some people that aren't in the Bassett's family? Or is it because there's a number of you that that's how you do it?
1: We are a lot smaller than we let on <laughs> uh, bastards ice cream we we, we we try to have a great large uh, presence on social media um, we like to serve distributors but but truly up here in our office we have five employees we have okay four drivers um, there are uh, five family members that work in the business got it so the I mean, operational so a, part's
0: pretty lean for the scale of the size of the business and all of the places yes. you touch. Okay.
1: Yes, and so some of those mechanisms that you describe, like the, like the the, the board and and any sort of structure of the, the family hierarchy and things like that, it's not it's not formalized. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, there and there's there. I mean, it's it's part of doing this. I learn. It's like you said, you're not going to put forth on the table an ice cream flavor that you yourself wouldn't like most often right in, right, and the same for i, I do this because i want to learn about other generational businesses but also believe the listeners are interested in it and and i hope people are listening to this going i gotta have business meetings i wish what i was presenting was chocolate brownie ice cream as the thing that i gotta <laughs> put quote put on the table and on the agenda because they're gonna I go, know the stuff that they're having to deal with and and do uh yeah so as you as you look out as you all look out, I mean, because mm-hmm. you know, one of the things with business that's been around as long as yours, I want you know, one of the the fears, the risks, is getting complacent. Like, oh, look at us, we've been around forever, and it's in our logo yes. since eighteen sixty one. And you're yes. like, and people are kind of like, so what'd you do for me yesterday? What, right. what do you all, what do you all do to keep that fire, to keep that that hunger and drive that we haven't made it yet? Like, we got to keep this going and be better than we were the day before
1: we're always trying to think about where we want to be. Okay. What, what what do we want tomorrow to look like? Um, and so for us and the brand, we want to make sure that, A, we preserve my great-grandfather's recipe and standard right. of quality. We're a 16.5% butterfat ice cream, and fat is one of the most expensive ingredients in ice cream. A <laughs> lot of brands, as they progress, in maturity the idea comes up well maybe we can shave a few pennies here or there by reducing our most expensive ingredient you know the guy is next to us the 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 company next to us they have a lower fat percentage we can get away with Mm -hmm. we don't want to compromise automotive they
0: call it decontenting right they cheapen the interior a little (laughs) they mess with the, the, the components to keep it the same name, but it's not quite what it was. Okay.
1: Right. Right. So we, a, we want to make sure we know that we, we, our success has come from a high quality ice cream, our differentiation. We are not out there competing on a commodity product because there's always going to be a conglomerate that can come in and beat you on price, beat you on um, logistics, that, you know, yeah, that that competition that is a fight that we don't want to have. So we know that that our differentiating factor is a very high quality. So that's that's where we start, and then we say, okay, well, well, we've got our food service line, we've got our, our retail line, like the the prepack pints that I had mentioned earlier. Um, you know, what sort of places do we want to be? Um, you know, what types of grocery store do we like to be? And so there's a charge to our sales. to target the the high-end grocery stores and um, so on and so forth. And and, uh, we know that we love working with ice cream parlors, independent ice cream parlors. So we have our own store in the Reading Terminal Market, Bassets. That's the only company-owned retail store. Apart from that, we we offer our ice cream to independent tipping parlors. So if you wanted to open up Jamie's Ice Cream Parlor uh, but you didn't want to pay a franchise for a franchise uh, with with Ben and Jerry's or or Hagandas or uh, you uh, didn't want to go through the hassle of making your own product, but you wanted a sixteen and a half percent super premium top of the line ice cream. Mm-hmm. we love we love partnering with those folks. Um it frees them up to to focus on the fun part, uh, that is making the store, selling the ice cream. And not so, have to worry about the pasteurization or the, right. the they
0: serve, they serve the ingredients,
1: like that so. Um, so we, we recognize that that's sort of the area of growth that we want. We know the types of customers that do really well for us, so we kind of we've identified sort of targets that we want to move towards as far as the business goes. Um, and that's kind of how we
0: great. No, no, I mean, I think that's the key is if you're right, they say. When you first learn to drive, are you looking right over the front bumper or a little further out on the road? You know, and as businesses, we it's 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 hard when you're a smaller or lean operation to do both of those things, right? Mm-hmm. In the business, on the business kind of discussions. So, cut, fire a couple last questions at you. You know, you talked about sure. going to then the family dinner, and then it can be a board meeting. How how do you yourself, um, you know, get away from the business, if you will? Um, mm-hmm. You know, to keep it's not balanced, but just to keep
1: perspective. So, first off, ice cream is a fun topic. You mentioned yes. Yes, we we have our meetings. We, we we're talking about uh, chocolate fudge brownie. Some days I'm stressed and I'm trying to find the right chocolate chip for our mint chocolate chip mm-hmm. because the suppliers minimal work. Line oh, goes yeah, up, got like, supply
0: chain issues everywhere, right? You know, yeah.
1: and so. <laughs> And so I just take a step back and say, okay, well, I'm I am literally just trying to figure out what chocolate should be. So it's okay. It's okay. It's fun stuff. Um, so A, we, we don't necessarily mind talking about uh, some okay. business stuff out, outside sure. around the dinner table. Um, but also um, recognizing that there is a place to talk business and there isn't a place to talk business. So, um, you know, if we're all out to dinner and I've got my folks in from out of town, I'm not going to be in Michael's here about this is a wholesale customer that we have. Right. Because it's just not, it's not part of the dinner conversation. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it, you know, um, so we just through our own judgment have been able to, uh, moderate that type of thing.
0: And then, I mean, any, uh, you know, you talk about bringing some things over from Hormel. You look at competition. Anything, just as far as the bit, running the business, being more efficient. You know, just just uh, an idea yeah. that you've implemented recently, or that you're piloting, or, or
1: right. exploring. Correct. So, um, can we cut for just a second? Is yeah. This, this is a lot of, okay. I'm sorry. I just I've got. Uh... Yeah, we were
0: we were talking about you know a business idea you've mm-hmm. implemented or are piloting or uh, yeah, I mean in all your history, yeah. some of those those shifts you mentioned shifts earlier. I think now we use the word pivot. You know what, right. what what's what's something you you guys are are messing with?
1: Well, one of the things that we that I like to do is is keep an eye on what's happening around me. What are, what's happening with these uh-huh. other other ice cream mm-hmm. businesses? Um, And I know a long-term goal of mine would be to get back into production. Um, I know my great-grandfather has a fantastic ice cream recipe, and he was able to get there by, um, you know, having the manufacturing equipment right there, and he was able to to tweak it. I would love to reclaim our manufacturing um, and have us producing the the ice cream again. With that, though, as we've looked around, other businesses – that have started through co-packing and moved to producing their own ice cream, there have been a couple over recent years, I'm not going to name any names, that have gone out of business as a result mm-hmm. of, the challenges associated, and in, in some cases it seems that they have been unintended uh, challenges sure, sure. associated with um, taking apart part in manufacturing. So it's definitely, it's, it's a long-term goal of mine. I think that we can tiptoe into it by uh by producing a select number of flavors and maybe leaving our core flavors to the co co-packers at first and then gradually moving into that. But but ultimately I would like to see us uh do that and um we're we're watching what, what these other companies you know what could potentially happen to other companies um and, when they do that. And
0: I, I missed asking you as sort of guiding light kind of stuff. You know, I mean when you go back to the 1860s, it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily the Instagram era. People weren't you know, <laughs> emblazoning theme lines on the interior walls of the office. You know, it look, things look different. But right. when you go back to Lewis and you go into those various generations, is there some? You talk about making great product. Is there some mm-hmm. guiding phrase or or theme that kind of is uh, is on the wall or on the screensaver or, or, or on? old letterhead or something i I forgot to ask you that question i'm an ad guy i always ask that
1: well these days we 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 love the tag and i'm not sure where this originated but we love the slogan rich in history richer in flavor um and yeah i think about that phrase regularly we celebrate our history we are america's oldest ice cream brand We do have a fantastic product. It's 16.5% butterfat made in the American style, uh, which means that there's no egg yolk and we use a very high-quality Madagascar bourbon vanilla bean. In fact, before it was known as American style, it was called Philadelphia style. Hmm. And uh, um, yeah, we we definitely make our ice cream in that... Uh, that might passy. work for so, the cream
0: cheese people. Maybe they ought to try that. Oh, okay. Keep going. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, so... So our history is very important to us and our quality of product is very important to us. And that's a little bit more relevant now, but you mentioned, you know, uh, when the company got started in 1861, what drove my great, great, great -great grandfather to make ice cream at that time, bring it into the farmer's markets of Philadelphia. And honestly, I wish I had a chance to sit down and talk with him about that. I, um, I know that at the time when he got started, ice cream was a relatively new product. You know, sure. it wasn't until 1904 that the ice cream cone was invented. We were already over 40 years old uh, at that point.
0: Right, still and, looking looking for the device to put it into, other <laughs> than in a bowl. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, fantastic. So, um, fantastic. so <laughs> it's it's interesting. We're learning things about our own company all the time. It was just a couple of years ago. I was down at the Philadelphia Historic Society looking. Through, I had some uh, I had plastic or uh, yeah, rubber gloves on. I was looking through old photographs of certain uh, intersections. And I found a uh, a photograph that we had never seen before of the, the store in the 1880s. Um, you know, we're always finding you know, new things that tell us a little bit more about the business. Uh, in fact... This year during National Ice Cream Day, we actually went out to Mount Moriah Cemetery, which is where my great-great-great-grandfather Louis de Guapasset was buried. And they the the folks that are maintaining Mount Moriah Cemetery cleaned up the stone and we had an event out there. Um in fact, some years ago, the stone had been knocked over and part of the stone had been buried under, the, under the, the earth. We couldn't see all the names on the stone, um, on, the, on the gravestone. And so when that was uprighted, and cleaned up, we found uh, a new name to add to the uh, family tree, and it was really interesting, a wild wow. story. Actually, one of the folks that was involved in the lifting of the stone was a relative of that name, and he had been looking for uh this this uh this relative. Uh it's 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 wild. We are always learning things about our history. And I there there might be a time in the future where we learn that that guiding phrase that
0: no um, and, and that I mean that just that concept of kind of all those connections with lifelong learning is is uh yeah no so applicable. I and I, I I kind of end these podcasts asking everybody, I don't ask everybody the same questions, but I've asked every mm-hmm. guest the the most the most fulfilling thing for you about this generational business.
1: What I really like, it, beyond anything else, is sitting at the market, the Reading Terminal Market. We have our countertop; it's the original mm-hmm. marble countertop in eighteen ninety-two. It's it's fantastic, and we, you know, I, I've sat at the, the the countertop, and what's really cool is that when occasionally we'll have an older guest come by. They might be in their 70s or 80s, and then they, they come up to me, and they recount the time when their great-grandparent or their grandparent had taken them to Bassett's, and they had a, oh. a cone, and then they were bringing their grandkids. So it's really, really neat to, to hear stories about the way things used to be. Um, I know my cousin Eric and I were sitting at the counter one day, and a gentleman came up, and he said we had the video playing that my great-grandfather shot in the 1930s. And he pointed up to that video and he said, you know, I used to shovel the salt and ice uh, just like that uh, for your great-grandfather. Wow. Um, I used to work for him. And it, it was fascinating hearing the stories from those early days when we were using salt and ice to you know, make it, manufacture, make it the and make it that way.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much I could, or would like to talk to you about Alex. <laughs> I, I just, uh, you know, Alex Bassett strange, the VP of distribution for Bassett's ice cream, you know, in Philadelphia, but in America and representing the sixth gen of a company that still got road ahead of it. I, I just think you were staring, sharing, not the story, but all these stories and, and, uh, mm-hmm. I, I hope you know you enjoyed recounting some of this. <laughs> uh, I know the people who are into this smaller universe of family and legacy businesses will appreciate it. So thank you.
1: Sure. And to your listeners, if anybody has any questions for me, feel free to email me at ask. That's a s k at vassitsicecream dot com. I'm
0: glad you did that. Be you know the old "be careful what you wish for," but
1: we'll see. You have to
0: tell me. You have to tell me what kinds of things they asked, or if they asked sure. me any 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 last words or anything I forgot to ask you about because I, I don't. You know you get into the six jam. I been dealing with G two, three, even four, but it's just yeah. it's something.
1: Well, we love to put more information up on social media. We try to share a little interesting snippets when we can, and things about the business. So. uh, To learn more about Bassett's Ice Cream, we can either visit the Bassett's Ice Cream website or follow us on Facebook, Instagram. We have Twitter. Those are at Bassett's Ice Cream Company. We're just more than happy to be on the show. And thank you so much, Jamie.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld at SMZ for helping make Generation Excellence, well, excellent. Until next time, I'm Jamie Michelson.